world and welcome to Back David Roast and Toast We are your hosts David <laughs> David Jenny and Philip Oh, oh a what, was, what a great way it is to kick off the episode I don't get it I don't know why why Oh come on! Yeah. What are what? Uh, God, well, I mean, now they'll now they'll know what we're doing the rest of the episode. Well, well, they but. don't know. And Jenny just said, "Way to way to start the episode with a little crack." I I don't know what the audience thinks right now. My goodness, <laughs> we are uh, not on crack. No, Speak for yes, yourself. Speak for, yourself. for the audience at home. We none of us on this podcast are purveyors of crack. We none of us do. That's that is not what that is not how we anyway. How's your week, guys? What's new? Any cool jams? What's what's going on? Can I can I go first? Because my you, what yeah, happened if you must go if I must and I insist. All right, uh, my my what happened to me this week <laughs> happened uh, early, it happened strongly, and it happened amazingly. I went after our last recording of last week's podcast, and I visited my friend, my friend, my, my I supported, I saw Jenny put on a you show, did. a puppet yes, show. Oh, <laughs> uh, Jenny was Jenny. Uh, so uh, Jenny was putting on a show with uh, with her puppet troupe, and uh, it Jenny, it was great. It was fantastic. Like no, no, uh, no kissing your butt, no whipping the chair. <laughs> nothing it was great it was actually hilarious very uh, bravo bravo oh, we didn't even you. really have time bravo. to bravo bravo oh. uh-huh. oh okay it's feminine. It, wait yes. so uh, actually sorry this is a this is an aside so bravos for men bravas for women exactly that's something new i learned today thank you yeah. all right <laughs> <laughs> bravo jenny we didn't even have time to to really speak after the show. Oh no, um, it's always a whirlwind after every puppet show. To yeah. explain to uh, listeners at home, Please, uh, yes. this was a what I was doing was a perf- a collab performance with some members of my puppet troupe, all puppet players, and with a local improv troupe named Pizza Party Comedy. What we did was we had a show called Let's Make a Game Show. And the improv troupe put together a bunch of games that they created at home themselves, and they invited us to come and participate as either um, in the game or either to be helping out with the game. So, for example, one of those games was they played an improv game where the puppets were convicts who committed a crime, and it was an audience member and an improv troupe member's objective to guess what the crime was like little things like that and it was very successful everything went super well super funny and phil came on stage actually he volunteered himself to participate in one of those games and i thought it was i mean to be honest i this was a brand new thing for them i still think it was super funny it was it brought a lot of chaotic comedy to it. It was it was the first time that audience members had come on stage for the game and what it was. It was kind of like Shark Tank where we were given a PowerPoint with random slides and we had to um, put on a presentation with the slides. And Phil came on as a special guest for the first round and joined my team. 
Yes. Our pitch was not successful, but be that as it may, <laughs> no. it was a it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, and it was it was genuinely hilarious. Me and the, the person that I went with, we uh, we both thought it was it was tremendous. Sincerely, again, in all sincerity, it was absolutely tremendous. It was loads of fun. I, I could not have been more proud of you, Jenny. I've never seen you in that capacity. I thought that the show overall had a lot of great production value, sincerely. And I thought it was a wonderful idea. You'll have to let me know if it happens again. I will not volunteer myself and be put myself into the show as I un, un, unknowingly, oh, unwittingly fine. You're did. Fine. Uh, uh, but uh, it was tremendous, Jenny. Tremendous. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy you're able to come. Yes. We'll get David to come sometime whenever he's visiting. In yes. The, from the, in I the hope. I yes. can uh, only well, hope. David, yeah. maybe of, next year of, I'll, of come, you, I'll come to the States. Uh, what's new yes. with you? Uh, not a whole lot new. But I will stand up and reveal. Uh, oh, I'm wearing, oh, I've been wearing this all day. Yes. Oh, there it hey. is. It matches very well with your shirt as well. It's very coordinated. I yes, know. it does. I know. I know. I know. It's um, okay. Yeah. So, so, so for those listening, because this is obviously we this are is, looking yeah. at something. Exactly. Uh, David stood up and revealed to us. Is that a tank top? David? It is a tank top. Yes. yes. It, uh, he, a tank top roast and toast apparel, and it's got the, the logo emblazoned upon it. It looks yeah. tremendous. It's a little low. The, the lettering is a little low. It is a, a, it is a little low, but hey, when, <laughs> when they go low, we go lower, if you know what I mean. So very nice, yeah. David. <laughs> it, uh, very I, nice. I have two tank tops, a t-shirt, and a hoodie. Oh, and a hoodie. wow. Yeah, really I, nice. I, went, I splashed out a little bit. <laughs> Yes, you did. Yeah. I, I think it looks tremendous. I'll be I'll be wearing the hoodie at some point soon, maybe Good. when it's a little colder. Excellent. We'll see. We'll see. Yes. Yeah. Very exciting. Anyway, that's that's just about it. We now present to you Nazis. Just kidding. <laughs> Uh, when when <laughs> where ah, where you and these intros today, <laughs> Phil? I, why do why do we let you why are we letting you take the lead so much? You are in a weird I don't know. I am in a weird <laughs> I am in a weird mindset. But when yeah. we think of summer blockbusters and Nazis, there's only one hero that could c- combine these two elements together. Is it Harrison Ford? Yes. Is he wearing a fedora? Or what is that? A cowboy hat? Whatever hat that is. A cowboy it's like, hat. Uh, uh, yeah, not it's a fedora. Cow- it's a cowboy fedora hat. And it's a whip. Whoosh, Indiana Jones and the dusty dial of destiny. Oh, David, <laughs> what is this film about in yours as we come to review it, as we do uh, review a fresh movie each and every month? What is this? Uh, what is your fun little short summary of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? The end of the war is nearing, and Indiana Jones finds himself looting a Nazi train in search of ancient relics that we all know belong in a museum. All the while, he's throwing punches and fighting Nazis. In all of the chaos, Indy discovers that the Nazis are in possession of the Antikythera. The so-called Dial of Destiny, invented by Archimedes himself, finds its way into Indy's possession shortly before he finds himself jumping from the train into the river below. We fast forward to an Indy of advanced age, looking forward to his retirement party. The adventures are not over yet, though. Indy has one last challenge ahead of him, it would seem. 
Time may have passed him by, but the secrets to unlocking time could lie ahead. Could the Antikythera hold the key to time travel? Who will discover the secret first, Indy or his Nazi foes? Can Indy prevent the rebirth of the Third Reich? Wow. Bravo to you for remembering what the hell the thing the dial is. I, I the Antikythera. I would have completely. You could have given me. I three did actually chances. remember that word. I did actually. I did. I looked it up to confirm. Yeah, but Jenny, I remember what it, it was, and I spelled or... it right. Well, I spelled then, it right. Well, double the F, double the N for Hoffman, double the K for the Antikythera. Uh, Jenny, did you remember it was called the Antikythera? I I I completely forgot. Yes, I do clearly remember Antikythera. I, that's can I just say how hard that is to pronounce? By the way, <laughs> I have to like Archimedes really was, it was pronounced. I think at least two different ways in the movie itself. I think one person called it the Antikythera, and then another person called it the Antikythera. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it was. I think Maybe it was the British a... girl in the lecture. She was like the Antikythera. You know, it's probably a dialect thing. And then. Uh, and then the Germans called Antikythera, you know? So we, we got several different iterations, several different yes, uh, we did. interpretations. We did. Hmm. So we have the summary. Thank you, David. Thank you very much. I thought it was quite good. Uh, oh, quite so, good. Quite, quite good. good. Yes, quite, quite. I thought uh, a, a stunning triumph, dare I mm. say. As a reward, why don't we start with you, <laughs> Your uh, bestest <laughs> of what you thought the film was like. What what was the bestest thing about this film in your in your opinion? Okay, my uh, the best thing about what what makes uh, a film like this uh, really work is its villain. I think, and the yes! best thing about this movie, yes, I think was was Mads Mikkelsen as yes. uh, I I don't even remember what his character name was. This is irrelevant. He is was uh, Jürgen, a, uh, a Nazi. Fuller, I believe, is the you're character's Jürgen name. Machain. <laughs> yep. He's a, he's a <laughs> Nazi archaeologist slash scientist guy who who who's uh, trying to help the 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 Nazi regime to um, rise again. Rise well. Initially, in the very beginning of the movie, he's a young man and he's he's he wants to uh, help the Nazi regime to achieve its full potential by using these ancient relics, uh, as we've seen in previous uh, Indiana Jones movies. But Mads Mikkelsen takes it to another level. And when we see him later in the movie, uh, or when the movie fast forwards to to when Indy's an old, old dude, uh, Mads <laughs> Mikkelsen is uh, is also has uh, some years on him. And uh, he just, he just, he always plays such a great villain. He's such a great actor. And I thought that the character was, was so well written and brilliantly acted. So it wasn't generic. It was, it was new, interesting. He was essentially a neo-Nazi, but, but in a very traditional way, and uh, he has a great line in the trailer where you know Hitler made mistakes that you know that I'm going to correct, and and it's just so like he has, just has this you know to, in in his own world he's the good guy, but to us he's he's just so evil, and in in a very like real way, and I and I thought it was brilliant. So you know, best the, thing about the movie, Mads Mikkelsen as as uh, Jürgen uh, Jürgen something or other. You know, Jürgen Fuller. Jürgen Fuller. You know the other thing about him that was uh, realistic 
is that he's dead. There's no way that man survived that hit from that pole on the side of the train. Once oh, I saw, yeah. There is no, like, that was that was quite possibly, not, it wasn't the worst thing. It was just the most unbelievable uh, thing. Spoilers, everyone. Spoilers. Well, I mean, well, this is a spoiler know. that I don't know. Like, that guy has survived crazy damage. things. But this is, a, this, is, this is what's interesting about it is that Indy thinks he's dead until he sees of them. Of course he does. Him, like, well, but yeah, but people really do survive crazy things sometimes. So it didn't. Yes, to me, I was like, "Whoa, he should be dead," but it, it wasn't completely out of the realms of possibility that he would have survived that. You know, people do survive things like that. So th- what wasn't really believable was that he didn't have a massive scar on his face from it, but or a dent. Yes, you know what? I'll yes. forgive it because of the performance and the character work just brilliant brilliant hmm. uh, a villain is is a key part of a movie and and i think mads mickelson managed to be the best part about this movie yes i'll go next the bestest thing i found about this film is that i loved i actually really loved and it and it did this successfully as do many of uh, the indiana jones but i thought it was done really well here that there were essentially two adventures in one, with the first action set pieced as a um, Pixar mini adventure at first with the train, uh, and then the rest of the movie. I mean, real realistically, the the action set pieces throughout the film were all actually quite good. I mean, you have that opening train sequence, you have the horse in the subway, you have the scuba diving, and even the ending plane ride were all all memorable, were all uh, executed well, and I thought all had. Uh, gripping dramatic pieces i thought that they were all well thought out well done well executed um but but if i had to boil it down to one thing i love that there were two adventures in one the rest of the film as well as this the, the story that was told in the beginning and how it was almost flipped on its head from the normal trope of indiana jones where he usually always loses whatever the harbinger of the true MacGuffin of the film is, whether it's the idol in the first one, whether it's the, uh, he, he loses himself into a fridge uh, as a nuclear <laughs> bomb happens in the, in the last film of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, whatever it is, there's usually something. In this one, he actually gets to keep the, the relic that he was after in the first one. So I thought that that was very interesting and, and, a, and something worth note uh, to, to those who were first watching the film and, and had never seen a pre- prior Indiana Jones film, but also didn't do a disservice to those who were just watching it for the first time. Maybe this was their first intro into the indiana jones franchise be that as it may i really thought that it was it was a wonderful thing and the action action set pieces as a whole jenny did we steal what the bestest thing for you about this film was or no no one has covered mine yet so i'm gonna go ahead and take off with this harrison ford has proven something to all of us with this film he has proven that the action hero character has no age limit Period. The fact that this man is in his 80s and he is playing this character and he's doing as many sequences as he can in the action sequences and he's he's the fact that he's on screen performing like he always has. Like I was I was thoroughly impressed. Um, I know that some parts he, he was de-aged, um, but he still performed those scenes. 
he still. I was going to ask it. about that. Okay, cool. So, so it really was him. It wasn't just a young guy that they put his face on. So it was really no, him. no, no. So I will. Well, actually, you know what? This actually brings one topic to mind. Then they obviously did de-age him physically. So it, they, in the, in the first third of the film, that that was yes, discussed. Yes, but they yes, didn't. Okay. They didn't de-age his voice, so you could tell that it was still. You, you could tell, yeah. Current. You could tell that it was still. 80 something year old Harrison Ford reading these lines. There is he that sounded line. a lot more gruff than he yeah. did in the old <laughs> yes. movies. Yes, yes, he did. <laughs> but I just, I just want to be, I'm just thankful that he, he's, this movie kind of broke, at least for me, it did. It kind of broke the barrier of like, yeah, you could be whatever age you want to be the act, the hero of this story. Hell yes, Harrison Ford. Thank you for proving that to me with this movie. Mm. All right, let's uh, let's flip this dial on its head. Uh, Jenny, we'll go to you first. What was the worst thing about this film for you? Worst thing? Oh, you know, I'm actually tied between two things, but I think I'm going to save my second one. This plot was a never-stopping hamster wheel, and so many things in terms of plot detailing got lost or forgotten. The characters just had some moments of total short-term memory loss and I was like are we really gonna be okay with this uh let me give some examples you know like typical action movie you know the villain just casually magically knowing where everyone's going and just teleporting everywhere yes 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 (laughs) yeah yeah like that that just personally bothered me a lot it's like oh yeah he just magically knows he's always one step behind I was like who is so is full is fuller smarter? Yeah, they never, than they never, they never explain like, how he ends up n- like, in the scuba one. I, that's the one there. I was like, there's no the scu- explanation. Well, for yeah, that they, one. how they how they found him in the middle of the friggin' Aegean Sea. How? First of all, and second of all, after that, in Sicily? where they send them to to Alexandria, they send the villains to Alexandria with a false clue. It could I could believe that the villains wouldn't know. Or maybe they'd figure out that it's a false clue, but how they do they know where the out. real clue was going to lead? All right, you know, so, like yeah, yes, you're right, David. So they, so they said when he was looking through the binoculars, he realized, oh, they're going east, not west, or west, not east, whichever direction. I forget which freaking direction. Yes, the opposite so, direction. So, so there, there was that morsel and a crumb that that we could say, like, oh, okay, maybe that's he figured it out through there, whatever, whatever. But the one for me that was just unforgivable. How the hell did he did they find him in the scuba diving in the middle of the Aegean Sea? That one was the one where I was like, give me a morsel, give me a crumb of how they at least like at least again with he looked through the binoculars. I was like, okay, so maybe they just I I don't know I I what they can go through that rabbit hole and we can just forget it. But you're absolutely right, Jenny. With sometimes where they were just where they just found them in in the most unpredictable of places was uh, unbelievable. Yeah, every detail of the plot of this movie was just for the sake of convenience. I was like, oh, we're going to go here next, and this is why. Oh, next is the next location. This is why. And also, too, just like randomly having Indy be in New York City and working at this public university. Wasn't he an Ivy League professor? Like, they just didn't even bother to, like, explain the change. I think it's the writers literally admitted. They were like, oh, yeah, that's just a convenience thing because we had to have him near the the Apollo celebration parade. I was like, really? You're not even going to try to like come up with a, just a silly reason as to why he's moved locations. You're just going to determine. Oh, and also too, the typical action trope of, yeah, 
I've never drove, driven a plane before, but yeah, I could totally do that and just drive it right in the middle of a the eye of a storm and everything's going to be fine. Like, I just, there were so many of these moments that I just was like, guys, let, can we at least try? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> David, what is your worst thing about the film? Worst thing about the movie. I, I'm going to be quite specific with my worst thing about this movie. And it has a lot to do with that believability factor with certain things. So I'm going to go with the end of the movie or towards the end of the movie, the climax of the movie where the uh, spoiler alert, Indiana Jones and co have traveled back in time and they've accidentally gone really far back in time to 200 something BC, the siege of Sicily And there's a point where one plane has crashed. Indiana Jones and his goddaughter are chatting with Archimedes on on the ground in Sicily. And little kid lands the plane. (laughs) But it never really shows, like, how does he land? Sicily is super rocky. At no point while they're flying around do you see anywhere where one might, even an experienced pilot might be able to land a plane. Yes. But this kid and this, yeah, he lands the plane in the middle of friggin' nowhere on like rocky Sicily. And yes. the movie then cuts before it shows how they then turn the plane around and take off again. Uh, because it cuts to a point where they're back in the future. So they w- went back through the time portal but it never shows how they take take off the the plane again. And that, I'm like, you can't just cut and not show how you did this thing, which should be freaking impossible. So, uh, like, you can give me time travel and I will, I will eat that for breakfast. But don't give me this, I took off a plane on a rocky mountain. <laughs> yes, and that continues on with the how blo- the plot detailing is just... just- only there for the sake of convenience. Also, too, exactly. like Indy getting shot and not getting treated yeah, with medical <laughs> attention for an hour. All, <laughs> like, also that. That one, that one was actually, now that you mentioned that, Jenny, I forgot about that. And obviously that the was writers horrific. did too. That was bad. Like, at least somebody like, say, like, put a like, slap a Band-Aid on the man. I know. <laughs> it, like a day goes by where he's just bleeding from a bullet wound and nothing. No, he doesn't get any attention whatsoever. And you're like, this man <sighs> is old and he's been shot in the chest. Ugh. Anyway, my worst thing about the film also has to do with the near ending, the uh, penultimate ending. Kleber, which is the the blonde gentleman who's learning German at the beginning uh, of, of the film, was just without remorse gunning down roman ships and troops with no mercy. And and look, I get it. Some sometimes you get a bloodlust and and what have you. What motivation do any of them have to then just take it out on random ass in their minds, random ass Romans who are just living their ancient pre-colonial lives? Just, just it made no sense. He's just enjoying himself, and he's German. I, I, it made no sense. All of a sudden, he's just like take that, you Roman piece of. And I'm just like, 
What? Why? Maybe, maybe if, if it was like, if it had some sort of Jewish connection, I, I mean, because again, we're talking about Nazis here. Maybe I'd understand them, but what did they have against the Romans? I, and pre- what was he, what was he trying to achieve anyway? Exactly. Like- exactly what what was the point of just <sighs> emptying the barrel on these on these these romans who all they had were were spears and trebuchets like w- w- good god that to me was just the and in a story of lots of leaps i'll give you that lots of leaps that i took head first that was the one where i bumped my head and said let's take a moment to re-examine what we're doing here oh okay so uh, let's let's end this on our on our last thing. Things that were half baked, and I'm going to start with something that I doubt either one of you had, uh, but is near and dear to my heart. Antonio Banderas being in this in this film was is half baked. It's <laughs> <laughs> half baked for the reason of I love. I have a genuine soft spot for Antonio Banderas, but what the in the literal. F- is this man doing in this film he deserved better than whatever the hell he he was i thought he was a i guess he's a red herring to be indy's betrayal although they already did that in the beginning with with um with the daughter or his goddaughter so i don't know what what they were trying to accomplish he's too good of an actor for a bit part so i guess when he died it was kind of it, it was a sort of psycho moment where you think that he's too big of an actor to to just get on stage and die maybe maybe this was just his he loved the series growing up as a kid, so he wanted to be a part of it, even if it was just for a smaller role. I don't know what it was, but that's why I'm like, can we can we do something more than just bring him on to, to scuba dive and be with a, a <laughs> sexy band of pirates all with six-pack abs and and not drowning in the sea just to get shot after he holds a cane? Like, what, what was there Antonio Bandor? quite Bandor- a few actors that try putting their name in for roles in this movie. I think... Mark Hamill put his name in. I think Ryan Gosling put his name in. A lot of people That's crazy. were trying to get in on Ryan this project. Gosling. Wow. Okay. Just so seemed he probably to me, just made it through the cut. Yeah, I guess. And and again, I love this. Actually, has nothing to do with Antonio Banderas himself. It was just maybe there was a scene cut because obviously this this film was it, it had a long run time and it felt like it, but. Maybe, mm. but so maybe there was something cut that that was more meaningful to his character and then they realized we can't fully take him out because otherwise how on earth will they get to sicily i don't know so uh <laughs> just yeah. a, just a little side note here they could have cut a, a chunk of the runtime <sighs> by cutting down some of those chase oh sequences. my god there is so many no chase point. sequences are so long Oh my god, anyway. There is no point in having a two and a half hour movie. There is literal no point. Especially in this one. The action sequences could have at least each yeah, been cut just down cut by down five to ten minutes. Time. Come on, yeah. guys. Ma- right, when, Archimedes, when Archimedes is at the, at the at the end and he says, How long did it take for you to get here? We'll say the beginning of the freaking film. It felt like two thousand years. Jenny, what is uh what is your worstest thing here? Oh no, uh, half baked. Oh half baked, thank you. Yes. Sorry. Well, here, you know what? Let's pose a question for debate. Mm. Do we think that Helena Shaw is secretly a sociopath? Secretly? (laughs) (laughs) Is that what I'm debating? Secretly or outwardly? No, the woman is is bad. Like what her her motivations change mid like throughout the entirety of the movie and not not for a purpose. Just like, you know what? Now I'm in it for the money. Now I'm in it for this. Hey, don't worry, I'm still in control. But realistically, she's not in control. I'm with you, Jane. I don't know, or I think I'm with okay, you. Okay, I yeah, you know Crazy. what? I just I love the absolute 
out of Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I think she's brilliant, and I think she's a great actress. Great actresses and actors can only work with the script that they're given with, and I don't know what's happening with this woman's script. This character was all over the place in terms of motivation, connection with Indy, general reactions to everything that she was doing. Like, I... Like what? I just need to know what's her like. What's her actual story? Like, what is she? What is actually motivating her? Or is she just a Gemini who changes her mind all the time? There, like, there, just- there was there was uh, something that uh, that Indy says where where he goes, yeah, you. What is it? He says something about her father. Like you did something. Oh yeah, you 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 memorized your father's diary for the money. Which, which I thought was a, a good line in the sense, like, it revealed that she actually did care about her father and, like, she was not just in this for the money. But but it's it isn't then reflected in her character after that point where we don't actually see, we don't actually develop that idea where that, oh, wait, no, yeah, she me- memorized this diary because she really does want to continue her father's work or figure out what her father was on to, you know? We don't see that, like it does play out in the movie from Indy's perspective, but not really from hers as much. Like it doesn't develop as much as, as I think it should have. Yes, I, they're just, I feel like so they just didn't, they had all these directions and they couldn't pick one with Helena Shaw. I love you, Phoebe. You did your best with what you were given. I, it's, it just was half-baked in general, that character for me. David? Yeah, my my half baked. I'm gonna cheat a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna pick you. Uh, I'm gonna pick for you two <laughs> characters that were Ooh. pretty half baked, but in different ways. Oh. First of all, uh, early in the movie, but after we do the big time jump where uh, where India is old, there's this I don't know CIA agent. Oh yeah, with an afro. She's like very sixties, you know, almost like an Austin Powers character. She seemed like she was going to be a big player in the movie. And then all of a sudden she died. (laughs) She gets shot. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess she's not going to be in this movie much. Uh, I just thought it was a weird, weird character. Like she she was going to like she was almost a really strong character. But then it it was. Oh, oh, okay. No, she's dead. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. All right. Cool. Uh, Yeah. I I I don't know why she was killed off. I thought she was a, a good like anti like the the, the it was yeah the she PH was like on the she was well. with the bad guys but she was almost like she was the force against the psycho that that Phil was talking about who was gunning down Romans. Like um, if anything, why couldn't she have just switched sides and joined Indian Helena? Like yeah, you're gonna that, kill her off. That that could have happened as well. Yeah, I, it was weird. I was just like, huh, okay. The other character is Archimedes. <laughs> like, talk about the, the most cliche ancient Roman wise guy, but who doesn't really say a lot, who just went like, oh, oh. And he was wearing a robe and he looked very sort of like, yes, okay, well. Um, yeah, he was just so generic and uh, didn't say anything of value. And I was a bit like, okay, all right. Cool, that's Archimedes, I guess. So I thought there could have been a just a, a, a touch more there, but uh, other than that, I really liked the movie. Honestly, I actually really enjoyed this movie. I would absolutely 
100% recommend it and I would watch it again. Like I'm actually looking forward to uh, at some point seeing it again because it was uh it was much like the Indiana Jones movies of old and it uh it sort of tickled those parts of my my brain that's the same way those those uh, older Indiana Jones movies did. So what do you guys think? Uh overall thoughts? Well, I thought this movie did very well with kind of checking off. They followed the formula of this of Finally. what makes an Indiana Jones movie pretty perfectly with it, uh, unlike Crystal Skull. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a. Mm. We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> but anyway, the I thought everything was they followed the formula well and it worked well. There were some things that were not perfect. Things that they they brought new things to the table and they were obvious. There was just there was lack of focus in certain er- areas. But I think in the right environment, I would watch this movie again. I think mm. I in the times I enjoyed the majority of it when I wasn't trying to analyze it, and um, I think it's absolutely worth seeing in the theaters. It's one of those blockbuster yeah. style movies that you just you just got to go see it in the theater. Yeah, no, I would I'd actually agree with that. I'd say I'd recommend people to go see it. I'd recommend people to go see it in theaters. Uh, I'll dissent though. I'll be the dissenting opinion. I don't think I want to watch it again. I mean, it takes a lot for me to go and watch something again, anyways. Uh, maybe I don't know why I would. You're do not this a to rewatcher. I'm yeah. I'm not a rewatcher by nature, anyways. But per, I I would say this: I, if I was for whatever reason doing an Indiana Jones Temple Run of watching the entire filmography, <laughs> Temple Run. Th- thank you, thank you. Uh, running through the entire film, I would look forward to it. It's a good one. It's no like I would be desperately digging my own grave, not wanting to watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull yet again. But I would actually be wanting to then watch this afterwards. Uh, So that is worth whatever it is worth. And I think it is uh, nice to end the dial of destiny with this film. And I I, I would put it pretty much right up there with the, the original three. Uh, it's, oh, yeah. it's close. It's close. Yeah, it's it's not like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which like I don't think was I don't think I hated it as much as most people did, but I don't think it was very good. It was just you know sort of, man. You know what? I, t- I talked about this uh, pre podcast with Jenny, but I, I do think it's worth mentioning and even getting your opinion on this, David. I think one of the reasons why Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is so hated and understandably so is at the time. This was supposed to be the Dial of Destiny. Like the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was supposed to be the last ever Indiana Jones that we were going to get. Right, so I, right. So I can it was understand. Already, people were already saying, well, Harrison Ford's pretty old. How is he going to yes. do it? You know? And then yes. here we are like 15, how many, however many years later, and he's doing it again. So Yes. Yeah, so so had, had Kingdom of the Crystal Skull swapped with this and never existed even, I think it would have been... A, a fine addition, but mm. as as it is, it's it's an albatross, and thus why it's partly so hated. All right, let's reverse the track and put it on its head, and not talk about things hated, but talk about things we love. Jenny's trivia of fun. Mm. Dial up that destiny, Jenny. What what's a Victor? That's me dialing. Dial up for a little trivia. Little indie bindi trivia. All right, so this is. This is the only Indiana Jones film in the entire franchise not to be directed by Steven Spielberg. He does get an executive producer credit, but I think uh, while this movie was in development back in 2020, he decided to back 
out of the project. Instead, James Mangold directed this film as he was personally recommended by Harrison Ford himself. They had worked on several projects together, and thanks to Harrison Ford's, Harrison Ford's excuse me, um, uh, recommendation, um, he's the one that took over. And I will give him credit, he did a great job. I think now, he did too. I cannot believe, I must have blocked that from my memory. I, You could have given me... I guess two guesses because that's all I get. But I, you could have given me two guesses, and I would have I would have gone to the to the ends of the earth proclaiming that Steven Spielberg would never have have directed such a piece of of dog turd such as Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I completely forgot that he actually directed that. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Now I will say I want to give credit to another uh, longtime creator that's a part of this franchise, John Williams himself yes. scored this movie. And I was so happy that he stayed on. It's always a pleasure to hear John Williams' music. Um, But anyway, moving on to our next trivia fact. Um, The Antikythera mechanism. Brava, brava. Thank you. It took me a moment. It is actually a real artifact, and it's very ancient. Um, It's considered to be the first computer ever devised in human history. However, its purpose is not to turn back the hands of time. It's (laughs) actually a maritime navigation device. It actually existed, and but it was not for time travel. Was it? Do you know? No. Yeah, you don't say. (laughs) Uh, Jenny, was it? Was it also created by Archimedes? You know what? I did not get that information. Okay, I okay. Just I didn't know. I was looking and confirmed that it was real. Okay, uh, but cool. if you are listening at home, definitely Google that and see if that is the case. I know they are very, um, they did a really good job of basing all the content and the characters of this movie on actual history and um, historical folks. Um, but anyway, moving on. Harrison Ford stayed on as the role of Indy because he did not want anyone else to play this role except for him. He, and I quote, said, when I'm gone, he's gone. It's easy. That's my Harrison Ford impression. He didn't want anyone else to play it because he thinks he's the only person who's the right person for the role. But he did confirm that this fifth movie is his last time playing the character and i would certainly hope that they let this franchise lay to rest and have its last moment in the sun so yeah, there you go we'll that's trivia that. yeah. thank you jenny thank you very much and uh as a recommendation from all of us go see it if you have not already it's definitely worth it Whoosh! Let's uh, let's do a little round uh, around the campfire of some things that we're gonna miss. Philip, take it away. Last week we recorded the podcast, and I was sitting on my floor as we recorded the whole thing. And after two hours of sitting, I uncrossed my legs, and my knees were as bad as Harrison Ford's. I had to gingerly walk for about ten steps before I could walk normally with mild discomfort. What the hell? As I go through my mid-midlife crisis, I was fine with sneezing and inexplicably having pain searing through a single rib, because at least I did an action, but this was just sitting. Sitting! Knees of youth, you will be missed. (laughs) All right, let's move on to mine. You will be missed, Sleepaway Camp 3 Fanny Pack. 
I thought I could trust you to hold all my personal items during my flight yesterday to California, but I thought wrong. You just couldn't handle it. I attempted to zip you up five times with my wallet and my chapstick, but your zipper immediately busted, and now I can no longer use you. You died in the TSA pre-check line. You will be missed. <laughs> you will be missed, mustache. Yes, I shaved it off. My face must bid farewell to its comforting companion, a tool of expression, an object of character, and a point of pride. Although you will return, for now, you will be missed. Today's game section is brought to you by Angel to Michael, the hairstyling extraordinaire at Aquarius Hair Salon. Ready to rock a head-turning new look? Call or text Angel to Michael at 623-203-6867 to book your appointment today. Whether it's a trendy haircut, a vibrant color, or a glamorous updo, Angel has the skills to make you shine. Don't miss out on the opportunity to elevate your style game. Contact Angel to Michael at 623-203-6867 and discover the magic of Aquarius Hair Salon. Your perfect look awaits! It's another game, another day, and I am so happy to say that today's game will be brought by myself. However, before we get to the actual game itself, guys, I hear you have some questions for me. I certainly do. Philip, uh, what would it take for you to buy a gun? <laughs> what? What are the circumstances under which you would actually go and buy a gun? Uh, I would buy myself a gun if I moved to a less suburban area. I've been and I visited a like, friend. You mean who, like urban or like rural? Rural. See, I, I visited right, a okay. friend who lived in, in the Midwest in uh, Wisconsin. And when I tell you it gets dark out there, I'm talking Armageddon dark. Like you can't see your hand dark out there. And the ne the only light on the horizon is the next house like seven acres away. And you can see it, but it's far away. And it's the only glimmer of hope you have. So when nobody can hear you scream, that's when I'm like, barely anybody can probably hear a gunshot. I I'll probably get a gun in that arena. And plus it's, it's it's legal in any in most of those places anyways. So uh, that would be the one case where if I'm alone, I'm alone in a little my own little desolate isolation of, of, of acres of land. That would probably be it. But as it currently stands, not really any current situ situation or circumstance. Jenny? All right. So I ask this question. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so what is the <laughs> – is there a self-care – task or is there a chore that you absolutely have to do on your day off if you do what is it david's actually going to probably laugh on this one but <laughs> every time that i have a day off i run out of <laughs> so I, I i have two roommates right now so we share one fridge as you can imagine it gets pretty full with uh, the three of us. So in an attempt to be courteous, I try and minimize my space. Otherwise, otherwise, I would normally buy in bulk as I normally have and would do in the, in, in, in the past. But because of the limited space, I only have so much room. And as such, I can only buy like the, the 12 to 18 egg cartons, which means that on every day off, because of how many eggs I eat within a work week, 
I always, I'm always going to the store, not for drinks, not for, not for, I don't know, popcorn, not for bread, not for anything. What I can't get enough storage space for and, and have on hand is eggs. Every single day off, I'm like, <laughs> it's egg day. So eggs, going and buying eggs every single first day off of, of the week. It's, it's, that's what it is. I mean, obviously I think I still have to do laundry, like every, you know, work laundry, but that's, that's nowhere near as fun as, as eggs. All right. <laughs> Thank you guys. I appreciate it. So I'm going to be giving us the game this week and the game is called just the tip. In the of city of La- of course it is. In the city of Lakewood, Colorado, there's a restaurant called the Casa Bonita. The Mexican restaurant is owned by Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the creators of South Park, who even featured the place on their show before they bought it in 2021 when it filed for bankruptcy. However, one of the main policies of Parker and Stone's restaurant is that customers can't tip their servers. A few days before opening, staff were offered new contracts which said servers and bartenders would be paid $30 an hour but couldn't take tips, which is more than double Colorado's minimum wage of $13.65. And this has brought up a wonderful idea for me to shed some light on how to properly tip in public settings. So the website food52.com has provided us with a full list of service providers and what percentage to properly tip, which I do recommend all to read. Uh, I will be bringing us a very small selection of jobs telling you a percentage to tip, the game is, I will give you all a bill, and I want you to take the tipping percentage I give you, apply it to the bill, and tell me what the proper tip should be. Couple of rules. It is a buzz-in game, so name is your buzzer. Once you say an amount, I will let all of us know if you are wrong. If uh, both of you answer, and neither of you get the correct amount, then whomever is closest shall win. Now, once you give an answer... That person will have a 30 cent buffer on either side of your answer that uh, the other person cannot have their answer within. So for instance, if Jenny guesses the tip should be $2.50, David can begin to guess either at $2.20 or $2.80. Are we ready to do some math? I think so. I will admit that I think I will understand it best when we start playing it. So let's go. Let's go. Let's represent our sponsor well here with Angel DeMichael and her salon. According to my research online, an average price of a haircut in Arizona, where me and Jenny reside, is $40. Food <laughs> yeah, Food52 says the general rule of thumb is to leave 20% for your hairdresser, whether you're having a trim, highlights, or anything in between. And yes, this goes for barbers too. You may want to consider bumping up to 25% for particularly complex tasks, for example, multi-hair dye jobs or what have you, or if they've gone out of their way to accommodate you. And since we love Angel, let's say the tip should be 25%. How much should we tip on a $40 haircut? David? Um, David, I heard first. David, how much should we tip? Uh, t- uh, $10. $10 is the correct amount. David gets on the board with one point, Jenny. <laughs> Yet to be on the board. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Get the game now, Jenny? I hope I, let's find out. (laughs) Let's find out. All right. David, you have a point. Here we go. Next. With the motivation of this whole game being in the restaurant business, let's go out and have an inexpensive lunch. According to my research, the average cost of lunch to someone in the U.S. as of 2015 was $11.14. 
Food 52 recommends a tip of 18 to 20% of your pre-tax bill, as it is standard for waitstaff. Let's settle at 20%. What is the tip for a lunch bill of $11.14? Jenny. Jenny! Um, let's say $3.50. $3.50 is incorrect. Now, David, what? where would you like to guess now? I am going to say uh, $2.20. That is also incorrect. However, it is close enough and it will gather him the point as the correct tip amount is $2.23. So very close, David. Very, very close. David has two points. Jenny only has herself to blame. Remove to less common. <laughs> okay. <laughs> remove to less common places people might forget to tip at. Let's go out and get Jenny a Pokemon tattoo, a cute little yes, Snorlax, no. and the tattoo artist charges Jenny a hundred and fifty dollars. Food fifty two recommends a tip somewhere between fifteen to twenty five percent. Just because Jenny loves herself some math. Let's say she wants to tip 18% for her lovely tattoo. What is the tip for a tattoo of $150? Jenny. Jenny! Um, probably around $25? She says $25. That is incorrect. David, we are to you. Uh, $27. $27 on the nose. Now question, uh, so David does get the point because that is exactly what it is. Just to make sure, David, you aren't using a calculator, are you? No, uh, Philip, I, uh, I, I'm I really good at mental math. <laughs> Jenny, I, I, did, I, have a, I have a bachelor's in, in, in engineering. I, I tutor in math and I, this is a game that was, that was uh, destined know. for you. It was your dial of destiny. You were supposed to win this all along. Yeah. Oh, Jenny. Yeah, I meanwhile, I went to school for theater, so this yeah. is not my game. <laughs> she was told there would be no math. Well, now let's. I'm. I'm loving. I will say. I. I accept my loss, but I'm loving the winning streak that David's having. I'm let's, not. Let's see. <laughs> let's. Yeah, bo- let's. Okay. Let's. Let's go. Nope. Let's go for five, David. Come on. Let's. Let's even get all of them. I'm, I'm pretty Am confident you will. Five game win or four game running streak right now. That's crazy. David decides to go get a massage as he carries a lot of stress on his broad shoulders. The massage mm. therapist charges him $145 for the hour. Tons of stress. However, she did spank his ass in a most unpleasant way. Go back and listen to episode 46. Rub you the right way if you want to hear that true story. Uh, so. When Food 52 recommends a range of 15 to 20% as a tip, he opts for the 15%. What is the tip for a massage costing David $145? Hmm. David. David. Oh, $21.25. That is incorrect. Ooh. Jenny, you have an opportunity. You oh have God. the Oh my God, I do. Yes. I have a chance. I have a real chance. Okay, so I'm going to say I was kind of in the same realm as David, actually. Um, so you're, if you're, oh, you're, you're I know what I did your wrong. options, okay. uh, Jenny, are you can either start at $20.95 or $21.55. Or any other denomination thereafter. It has to be within the 21 realm? 
No, no, it's no, any, no. anyone's any, outside You just can't go within 30 cents of me. Oh, outside. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say I'll go a little higher. Uh, $22.50. Oh, it's closer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it closer? <laughs> yeah. Because I'm 50 cents. It's, tw- it's $21.75, no. right? Yes, so the answer is twenty. Sorry, I had to do some math. I wasn't. Yeah, twenty-one dollars seventy-five cents. Uh, so I was fifty cents below, and Jenny was seventy-five cents over. Yes. So Jenny, uh, the answer is twenty-one dollars ah. and seventy-five cents. As you are seventy-five cents away, David was only a mere fifty cents away. You went a little too high. David huh, takes his fourth point. I flew too close to the sun. Yes, Jenny, you flew too close to the Sicilian sun and fell down into Rome, the Roman Empire. Congratulations. The sun, Philip? The sun? Yes. The oh, sun. thank you. Uh, all right, let's go to our last one here, just for shits and gigs. Philip decides to move, and as he is quite the mess, uh, messy, the place requires a bit of a deep cleaning before he can leave. So he hires a housekeeper for a one-time job, and the housekeeper charges him $42 per hour, and the job takes three hours, meaning the bill comes out to $126. With Food52 recommending a tipping percentage range of 15 to 25%, let's go with 24%, as it was quite the task with all of those egg cartons she had to throw away. What is the tip for a housekeeper bill of $126? 24% of $126. Jenny. Jenny! I'm, I'm still going with the higher numbers here. Um, I'm just going to say... Uh, let's say $30 this time. $30 and 25 cents. Random. Wow. Jenny, uh, you did not nail it on the head, but you were one cent away. David, you cannot get within that buffer. So $30 and 24 cents. Oh my God, I got one? You, you, you stopped the clean sweep. Jenny, congratulations. You are on the board. David, I guess congratulations on winning. But Jenny, congratulations. Oh, thank you. I just want to. I just want to thank the. I'm my mom and, and and Jesus, and I just. I'm really happy to be here. Big homie Jesus, but actually, congratulations, David. Very nicely done. Very yeah. we made yet another game that you a slumdog millionaire your way to a win. Congratulations. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Slurps. All right, now we have all brought our little things that we just absolutely adored this week, and that's songs and movies, of course. Now mine is a song yet again this week, but this is an a song of an of a previous time. Um, Spotify has done me a little ditty and has created my usual summer rewind playlist, and it reminded me of a little tune that I used to listen to constantly in college. This tune is called Haters. It is written by and mixed by Dioro, I believe it's pronounced, and it features I-E-Z. Uh, this is a great club tune. I personally loved it for when I used to go to the gym regularly. <laughs> Not anymore. Um, but it's a great treadmill song in, to take a break in between intervals. And it's also, you know what, even in this day and age, this year, 2023, it's a great pregame song before any summer activity. Go listen to Haters. By Dioro and IEZ. That slaps. Yeah, my uh, that slaps. 
guys, I'm going to do it. I uh, adored all the nostalgia and 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 all the things that this movie made me feel and bringing back what I loved about the old movies, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I Whoa. think it truly does slap. I Ooh. I love this movie. That slaps. Go watch it. Uh, it's very good. And go see it in the theater. It's worth it. Has this it's worth happened before? This Has is the first it... occurrence. Very much the first occurrence. Well, Philip that... tried to do it. I, try, I did try to do it. <laughs> with uh, everything everywhere. But he had already chosen that movie for That Slaps a year before, so I didn't let him. Yes, oh, so. man. So uh, my That Slaps actually needs to have your guys' approval because we've, we have very many forms of entertainment uh, in That Slaps. We have, of course, uh, songs. We have movies. We even have games. But I'm about to bring us a, genre, a form of entertainment that we've never had before. <gasps> Can I That Slaps a trailer? A movie trailer, that is. David, what do you I, say? What say you? I'm uh, my instinct is is gonna go no. I I that's fair. Jenny, what would you have said? I was gonna I was gonna say yes, but after I'm thinking about it, it you can't really like give a proper that slaps to yeah. something that's only being previewed because we in a lot of trailers there are things that get changed later anyway when it releases. So I don't think we can actually give uh do we get to know which trailer you were gonna so so the trailer i was going to that <laughs> slaps was zendaya's new film which whenever depending on when you the listener are, are listening to this could be the old film the current whatever but it's uh for challengers it just dropped this week and i cannot believe it won't do a disservice for the film as it gives away the damn near the entire story uh but as has a trailer it actually sounds like a terrible trailer if it gives I, away well, the I, I know, but yet, but yeah, think of it like a music video where it's like it gives you away everything. So as a trailer itself, it's actually quite good. But uh, but uh, for the purpose of which it should originally serve, it's it's not good for. But but it's got a wonderful wonderful remix of Rihanna's S and M that hits the perfect tone throughout the entire storytelling element of the trailer, and it has me intrigued. I've I have not felt like this for a trailer since Magic Mike, where the trailer was so good. That that's the only reason why I went to go see it. Uh, oh, but- right. <laughs> that's the reason. That, that's the only reason, Channing Tatum, you stud muffin. Uh, but I will go to, since uh, you have banned me from doing so, which is fine. I, I probably would have ruled the same as you guys. I am going to go to Rihanna's close to you. I was obviously in a very much a Rihanna mood. And why shouldn't <laughs> I be? Uh, Rihanna's close to you. It's a wonderful ballad. I'll cut myself short. That slaps. As we bring this dusty, arthritic, and crippled dial to its knees, we end episode ending as you please. We will uh, finish out this episode, but before we do, we got a few thank yous. Yeah, thank you to Cass and Crossland and Jake Corlang for the music on the show. We absolutely adore you. (laughs) Thanks to Ryan Ardell and Josh Hans for a lot of the audio bits you hear throughout the show. We adore you as well. And we adore you, Rudy Chalk. Shout out to you. Thank you so much for your wonderful graphic work that you've done for our, us and all of our social media. 
And thank you, the listener. Yes, you listening right here, right now. Please go to our Instagram uh, as we have uh, lots of postings. We have updated blockbuster, summer blockbuster standings. We have tons of new stuff coming out each and every week, as well as we are on TikTok. So go ahead and find us where it's some variation of Roast and Toast Pod. Roast and Toast Pod. Yes, Roast and Toast Pod across all social On Instagram and TikTok. And TikTok. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, But... Uh, if you want to listen to the actual show, we are, of course, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much everywhere you find all of your favorite podcasts, except for Pandora. You know why? Because, whoosh, screw you, Pandora! Whoosh. It's a 2,000-year-old bear. It belongs in a museum.